Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you guys. Um, I, I get really happy on Sunday mornings, uh, and I'll tell you one of the biggest reasons why I get happy, because I get to see you guys. I would like to think that I would show up here and worship Jesus, even if you guys weren't here, but it is so much easier to show up and worship Jesus because you guys are here, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I love seeing you guys and interacting with you and worshiping with you, and we hope that you're glad to be here today, too, and most of the time your faces tell us that you are, and so we're really glad about that. If it's your first time here, we want to welcome you. We are so glad that you're with us. My name is Kyle, and I'm just excited to do what we're going to do together today in God's Word. I want to bring you in on something really quick, though. Uh, last week, we presented this idea of my one word. And if you missed last week, I want to encourage you to hop on the app and listen in. It's this idea of considering one word for the year that God can use in and through your life. And so we don't want you to miss that. We want you to participate in that. And so hop on there and listen in on that. But we're beginning a brand new series today called More in Store, and I'm very, very excited about it. Here's what we believe. We believe that God has more in store. And in this series, More in Store, we're going to be talking about this idea of vision, of vision. Speaking of vision, it is 2020, as you know. So i got a few things here for you about 2020 that will really get you going about vision. If you look at the New Year calendar you'll realize that we all have 2020 vision. <laughs> this year is going to be filled with so many puns about perfect vision, I can't wait to see them all. In fact, I'm so anxious for 2020 that I'm more anxious for 2021 because on New Year's Day 2021, I'm going to be able to look back and to say, man, hindsight really is 2020. God's vision for us, for you, for us as a church and for you as an individual, is more. This word vision is so important and we want to talk about it today. We believe that he has more in store for our church. We believe that he has more in store for you. And so for the next three weeks, including today, we're going to consider God's vision. And we'll be talking about God's vision for our church. And we want you to consider and realize what God's vision is for your life. I want to show you a scripture in Proverbs chapter 29 and verse number 18. We're going to look at three passages. The first couple we're going to take a small glance at, and then we're going to camp out in Luke chapter 5. But Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18, I'm using an older translation here. It's the one I memorized growing up. And I want you to notice the first part of this verse where it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Well, I don't know about you, but the idea of perishing doesn't sound like a good idea to me. I want to flourish, not perish, right? But here's what it says. If we don't have vision, we will perish. If we as a church don't have vision, we will perish. We will cease to be. We will cease to be everything God wants us to be at the very least. If we as individuals don't have a vision for our lives, we will cease to be everything God wants us to be. So this idea of having a vision, some words that uh, come out of this word vision in the Old Testament are words like prophecy, revelation, dream, and visualization. So this idea of prophecy, God potentially showing us, telling us things are going to happen in the future, promises of God that are going to take place in the future, revelation, him making things clear and plain to us, him allowing us to have dreams 
and him allowing us to visualize what is going to come. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Purpose and plan, vision if you will, will help you see that there is a life worth living for. In the NLT, you'll notice Proverbs chapter 29 and verse number 18 wording it this way. When people do not accept divine guidance, vision, clarity from God, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. Did he maybe just possibly describe our world today? Right? And if we're not careful, he's describing us. The moment we cease to seek God and his plan, his vision, his clarity, his promises for our lives, we're going to run wild too. The last thing the church needs to be described as is something that's running wild, right? The last thing that a believer needs to be described as is someone who is running wild. And so we want to experience and have this divine guidance. We want to help you develop and realize God's vision for your life. And we want to move forward with divine guidance as a church. Look now to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 21. I want you to notice this verse in Ephesians chapter 3. And I think I put verse 21. It should be verse 20. Can we switch that? Is that possible? I'm going to read verse 20. I don't know what's going to be on the screen. Um, I totally messed up. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. It says, now all glory to God who is able. And before we read the rest of the verse, I just want to pause there. And they're probably going to get that on the screen for us. My mistake. When we think about who God is, don't miss who he is. Some of us, potentially, even though we were in church last week maybe, we have already forgotten the majesty, the marvelous hugeness of who God is. We've forgotten how big he is and how mighty he is, and we need to remember who he is. Sometimes we forget Sometimes we lose sight of God. Sometimes we forget that he is our creator as we prayed about and as we read about this morning. We forget that everything around us was made by him. We forget to take a beauty out, take a peek of all the beauty outside and see his hand, handiwork. Just to get outside and to see the sunset. To get outside and to behold the stars at night. God is our creator. He is the giver of life. He is the sustainer of life. Think about this. God is the one who gave his one and only son for us. That's who God is. So when it says here, now all glory to God, we've got to remember this is the God who loves us. This is the God who moves. This is the God who cares. This is the God who is capable of anything. And notice what it says. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely, notice this word, more, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. So it's almost as if God's presenting a challenge to me and presenting a challenge to you. Go ahead and think. Go ahead and dream. Go ahead and ask. I can outdo it all. I've got something more for you. I've got something bigger for you. I've got something better for you. God has more in store. I believe that he has more in store for us as a church, and I believe that he has more in store for us. Here's the big idea I want you to get this morning, and that is this. God has more in store for you than you had in mind. God has more in store for you than you had in mind. So I don't know what you thought God might do for you, or you hoped God would do for you, or better yet, what you hoped God would do through you, God has more in store for you than you had in mind. Well, we're using this word more a lot, and so I want to kind of give us some context 
with this word more that we're using as we're thinking about it with God giving us vision and God having plans for us. What is more? When we say the word more, we have to think about and consider what do we mean by more? What do we mean by more? Well, potentially a different kind of more than what most of us think. We're not talking about a mistake-free life here. We're talking about God giving us more purpose. We're not talking about God giving us a problem-free life. Anybody got one of those? Because if you do, we want to hang out with you. Uh, He's not talking about you having a problem-free life. He's talking about you having more meaning. When we're talking about more, we're not talking about more money. We're talking about more richness than money can buy. This is the kind of more that God has in store for me and God has in store for you. He wants to do something in us and through us that will bring him honor and that will bring him glory, that will bring an impact on the people around us and an impact on the people that will come behind us and the impact on eternity. So as we think about this idea of more, if there is more, okay, if God has more for me and God has more for you, what are you settling for? What is it potentially that you have settled into in your life to say, well, I'm just going to do this and I'm going to be satisfied and I'm going to be okay with it? I mean, we've learned lately that sometimes just okay is not okay, right? What, what if we are settling potentially and we could be accomplishing and God could be doing more in us and through us and for us and for ultimately his glory than ever before? So if there is more, If God has a more plan for you, what have you settled for? What have I settled for? And should we settle? Well, I want you to notice a story in Luke chapter 5, and that's where we're going to hang out most of our time this morning. And if you need a Bible, you can find one in the seat underneath you in front there. And if you're looking it up in that Bible, it's going to be page 855, Luke chapter 5. And again, in that black Bible, it's going to be page 855. In this story in Luke chapter 5, Jesus is really emerging onto the scene Um, in his ministry and in his time here on earth and what he's going to accomplish. And he begins showing up in places and begins doing things and teaching and healing people and all the things that we've read about before we know about from Scripture. And in Luke chapter 5, we find this incredible encounter that I think God wants to use in our lives this morning to teach us and to grow us and to show us some things and to help us with vision. Luke chapter 5 in verse number one, and I'm still in Ephesians, so I gotta flip over there. I'm gonna get there. Luke, I got that one marked. Luke chapter five, verse one. Here's what it says One day, Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And so you can imagine what it was like for Jesus to be there and for him to be preaching and him to be teaching. I hope. I truly mean this. I hope that when you come here and when we gather, I hope you get excited about the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Not because I'm doing it or somebody else is doing it, because it's God's Word. Can you imagine getting to show up and Jesus be the one that's preaching? That's pretty cool, huh? I'm thinking I can't compete with that. I'm not even going to try. But I'm going to try to give you, again, what he was saying because it's so important for us to get and to learn and to be in the words of Jesus. And so Jesus shows up and he is preaching. It goes on to say that he's on the shore of Galilee, so he's right by the, um, the, the small sea there. It says, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. We don't know what the number was that day, but um, we have other passages that tell us that many times when Jesus would teach, literally thousands of people would show up to listen to him teach. It says, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of 
God. Um, I don't know like what they felt like, um, but I can imagine we would have been uncomfortable in that situation, especially as Americans, right? We like our comfortable buildings. We like to sit by the people that we know well. We like to keep a couple of seats in between people that we're okay with, but we don't know that well, right? Like right now, you, you, you worked it out, didn't you? You worked it out. Um, when we're really, really full, you get just a little bit uncomfortable, right? When it gets a little too warm, you get uncomfortable. When it gets a little too cool, you get uncomfortable. You can imagine how uncomfortable they were. They were a great crowd. They, they, don't, they don't really understand what personal space is, and they are in it to win it trying to get close to Jesus. It goes on in verse 2. He noticed two empty boats, two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets, meaning the fishermen that had those boats were done fishing and they were cleaning up for the day. Verse number three, stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon. Um, some of your translations may render this Peter. It's the one that we know as Simon Peter. It's the one that uh, we read a lot about in Scripture and the New Testament. He wrote a couple of, of passages, a couple of uh, books of the Bible. And so this is really the first encounter that Jesus has with Simon. He gets in his boat, he meets him, and then he's going to ask permission. He says it gets in uh, the boat with Simon, its owner, to push it out in the water. So he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. So the people were so close on him that, that he couldn't even teach. He had to back up in a boat in the water and teach the people. And so this first encounter with Simon Peter is happening, but he's preaching to the crowds. Verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon. And so he's met Simon. He is talking to Simon. He's calling Simon by his name. Um, I don't know how you feel sometimes when it comes to your relationship with God or your closeness to God or your encounters with God or your ideas about God. But maybe, just maybe, sometimes you feel like you are lost in the crowd. Maybe, just maybe, sometimes you wonder if Jesus notices you or not. You wonder if he knows your name. You wonder if he knows what's going on in your life, much less cares. Well, he has this interaction with Simon, and he notices him, and he begins to speak with him and to interact with him. I want you to know that if you feel like you're lost among the crowd, you are not. Jesus notices you, and he cares about you. If you're the worn-out person, listen, Jesus, Jesus notices that you, what you have going on and how tired that you are. To that single person that's in the room, Jesus notices you and your longings. To that single mom in the room, Jesus notices all you are doing to provide for your children and to raise them. To that married person, Jesus notices your struggles in your relationship right now. He realizes what's going on. To the sick person, Jesus notices your illness and your sickness. To the sad person in the room, listen, Jesus notices your loss and he notices your grief. To that wandering person, you don't know where you're headed. You don't know what's going on. Jesus, is no, Jesus notices that you don't know where to go. To that hardworking person in the room, Jesus notices your faithfulness. He notices that you're showing up every day doing your job. Of all the people on the planet, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus notices, engages with, and encounters Simon. Of all the billions of people on this planet, I'm going to tell you, Jesus notices you this morning, and he wants to have an encounter with you. He wants to talk to you about where you are, what's going on, and where you're headed in your life. And what did Jesus say to him in verse number 4? Jesus says to Simon, Now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. 
I'm not a fisherman. I've fished uh, several times in my life, but there's no way I would claim to be a fisherman. But here's what I understand is going on. These guys have been fishing all night long. They had come into shore in the morning time. It's getting on up into the daytime. It's warming up. The prime time for them to fish has passed. They are cleaning their nets. They're going to go home and rest for the day so they can come back later in the evening when it cools off to fish again like professional fishermen would have done. And Jesus says to this professional fisherman, hey, would you go out into the deeper water and let down your nets again and catch some fish? And you've got to imagine what's going on through Simon's head. Who are you, dude? Are you a professional fisherman? We fished all night. We know what we're doing. Our, our, our systems work. We, we provide for our families through this. We didn't have such a great night last night, but here we are. We've already got our nets cleaned up, and you want us to go out and make a mess again? And Jesus says, go out in the deep and catch some fish by throwing your nets back out. It didn't make any sense. I'm just here to tell you right now, if you start listening to Jesus, he's going to speak to you, and a lot of what he's going to tell you is not going to make any sense at all. Can I get an amen in the room? If you've ever heard God tell you to do something, you're like, what? Remember the first time that you like encountered Jesus by faith? Think about what he told you to get to you that place where you said yes. He told you that you were a sinner and you were lost and you were hopeless. And that if you would come to him in faith, asking him to forgive you, that he would cleanse you of all your sin, and you wouldn't be separated from God anymore. You would be close to God. You would become a child of God. Make that make sense for me. Make that make sense. That makes no sense at all. And yet a bunch of us have crossed that line of faith, and we said, yes, and it didn't make any sense, but we've experienced it, and he's changed our life. Listen, when Jesus starts talking to you, you're going to find out. He's going to ask you to do some things that don't make a lot of sense. Look at verse number 5. Master, which was just a, a, a word of respect during that time. It wasn't necessarily like Simon looked at him as what we would call his master. It was just a term of respect. Now, later on, he's going to take that to another level. But right now, he says, Master, Simon replied, We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. In case you didn't know, we know what we're doing, and last night didn't go so well. And if we couldn't figure it out, and our buddies over there who were in the other boats couldn't tell us where to go, we couldn't, what, do you, what makes you think that you could figure it out? But then it goes on, it says, But if you say so, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. I think that this is a great collision, this statement of, but if you say so, is a great collision of faith and sarcasm. Faith and sarcasm. Whatever. How many times have somebody told you what to do and they're in authority over you and you just got to do it anyway and, and you relent, but it's like, you don't have any idea what you're talking about. Whatever. Okay, sure. You're the boss, right? I'll go for it. But at the same time, there's a part of you in that moment because they are who they are that you go ahead and you go through with it out of obedience and trust that what you're doing is right because they told you to do it even though you disagree with what they told you to do. If you remember growing up or we got some kids in the room, you have to do that all the time with your parents. Do you not? Or at least you should. But there's this, there's this fine uh, collision, this, this grand collision, I should say, between faith and sarcasm. sarcasm. For him to say, but if you say so. Or maybe he says, but if you say so. And he goes on to say, I'll let the nets down again. Whatever you say, I'll do it. I don't understand. I could use more details. I could use more facts. I could use more clarity here. But I'll give it a go. 
Listen, if you're waiting on everything to make sense before you say yes to Jesus, you're never going to arrive at that place. There are a bunch of us who have been following Jesus for a long, long time, and we love him, and we will tell you to follow him. But if you ask us to explain everything, you're going to get dumb looks on our faces, like I can't really explain it all. There's so much of it that doesn't make any sense. And you may, make, may think that makes me look like an idiot or a buffoon. I say it looks like, makes me look like a child of God, someone who just trusts my father that he knows what is best as the cre- creator and the sustainer and the savior of all. Look now. At verse number six. In this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. What? Verse seven. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. What a moment. What a moment. I want to remind you that God has more in store for you than you had in mind. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that more is, but he's got it, and he wants to do something to bring it about. Look at verse number 8. When Simon Peter realized, catch that word, when he realized what had happened was, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. What a moment. This moment when Simon Peter realized who Jesus is and what he is capable of. Do, do you remember the moment when you remember when you realized? Do you remember the moment when you realized who Jesus is? Do, do you remember that moment when you had heard about him, you'd heard the people talk about him? You may have been young, it may have been last year, but that moment for you when you're like, whoa, that's who you are. That's what you're capable of. Are, are you kidding me? This is that moment for him. Remember that moment. Have you had a moment where you realized who Jesus is? If not, I pray you'll have that moment even today. The next thing is the question of whether Simon, in this moment with what he said about being, uh, what does he say here, Uh, please leave me, I'm too much of a sinner to be around you, whether in this moment Simon Peter was having this overwhelming moment of humility or whether he was having this overwhelming moment of humiliation. There's a fine line between humility and humiliation, okay? Humiliation is, I feel terrible. I feel like nothing, and I don't deserve to be here, and I don't think you want me to be here either. Listen to me. It's the moment where you feel terrible You don't feel like you deserve to be there, and you don't feel like the other person wants you to be there either. Humility is that moment when you feel bad for what you have done or who you are, but you believe even beyond that that the person who you were standing before still wants you there anyway. I think there's a lot of people right now who feel humiliated over what they've done or haven't done or what they haven't accomplished or what they've blown it with, and they're humiliated and they think there's no way I can enter into a church, there's no way I can enter into the presence of God because they wouldn't want me there anyway. That is not the way of Christianity, that is not the way of Bible, that is not the way of God, that is humiliation. Humility, on the other hand, is recognizing who we are as a sinner, as Peter did, And realizing that even in the moment where we don't deserve to be there, Jesus wants us there anyway. Isn't that an amazing thought? 
That here we are all messed up, undone in our sin, and yeah, we don't deserve to be in our presence, and yet he wants to be in the boat with us. He wants to have a conversation with us. He wants to speak to us. He wants to interact with us. He wants to connect with us. He wants to have relationship with us. He wants more for us in spite of all we have done or haven't done that has placed us in our sinful position. Man, this understanding that Peter had come to at this moment, for him to say, leave me, I'm not worthy to be here. I don't deserve for you to be in my presence or in my boat. Look at verse number 9. For he was awestruck, awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. Let me ask you this question. It's worth writing down for you wrestling with. It's going to be on the screen. When was the last time you listened to Jesus and did what he said so he could amaze you? When's the last time you listened to Jesus and did what he said so he could amaze you? There are some of you right now that are potentially over there saying, okay, God, go ahead and do something and amaze me. And he's like, no, 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 that's not how it works. I could, but the way this works is I tell you what you need to do. You go ahead and do it even if it doesn't make any sense. And then you sit back and you be amazed. When was the last time that you listened to Jesus, heard what he said, did what he said, so he could amaze you? Listening is key to what God has for us. Listening is key to you and I seeing what God has for us. Um, you ever had that moment when you're driving down the road and it's raining really hard or it's really dark and foggy and the radio's up and there's a bunch of people in the car and you are struggling to see and you reach up there and you turn the radio off and you tell everybody in the car, Y'all need to be quiet. I can't see anything. Think about that as a moment. I need to turn the volume down so I can see better. Could it be that the reason why some of you can't see what God's got for you is because you have so much noise, so much unnecessary volume in your life right now, that you cannot hear the voice of God, therefore you cannot see the vision of God. And you need to tune some things out, you need to turn some things off, you need to step away and be able to hear so that you can see. Some of you want to fast forward this to being able to see without listening. You have to listen to the voice of God so that you can see the vision of God. Look on. Verse number 10, his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. By the way, when God amazes you, if other people get to be around, they're going to be amazed too. It's just amazing how God works. And then it goes on to say, Jesus replied to Simon. This dialogue, this relationship is continuing and, and growing. He says to Simon, don't be afraid. We see this phrase all throughout Scripture. We talked about it um, just a couple of months ago, how important it is for us to hear the Word of God into our lives. Don't be afraid. He had just heard Simon Peter say, depart from me, get away from me. I am messed up. I'm a sinner. I don't deserve to be in your presence. He knew all that Peter had done. He knew all of the evil that he had done, all the sin, all the mess-ups, all the failures, all the junk. He knew that Peter didn't feel worthy to be there. 
He knew that he was afraid of his presence, as we should all have a holy fear of God. And in that moment of holy fear, guess what you're going to hear from God? Don't be afraid. It's this moment not of humiliation, but of humility. Not of, I don't deserve to be here and you don't want me here, but this moment of, I don't deserve to be here. But what? What was that? In the, in the midst of all that, you want me to be here? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. That's what he speaks over Simon in this moment. He goes on to say, from now on, you'll be fishing for people. And this is the moment where Jesus cast vision for the life of Simon Peter. He has asked him what to do. Peter did it. He was amazed by it. He listened. He obeyed. God did something to amaze him. There's humility And now there is a voice from God saying, don't be afraid, and saying to him, hey, I'm going to use you to do something you've never done before. You've been fishing for fish your whole life. Now I'm going to use you to fish for people for the rest of your life. You're a professional fisherman, but I want to make you a faith-filled follower of mine. And what you just experienced, which is a new relationship with me, I want you to help me help others have the same relationship. That's my vision for you, Peter. It's no longer to be a fisher of fishes, but to be a fisher of men. I want you to help me reach those people. I want you to continue to experience my presence, and I want through you to help others experience the presence of me, and I want you to help others to experience my plan for their life. That's what I want to use you for, Peter. That's what I want to use you for. I want, to, I want you to help me do what I just did for you. Look at verse number 11. And as soon as they landed, came back to shore, they left everything and followed Jesus. They left everything and followed Jesus. The only reason why you would do something that crazy, that bizarre, that, put over whatever word you want to on that, the only reason why you would go there is because you've experienced something with someone that you can't explain, but you want more of. And he had experienced something with Jesus that he couldn't explain, but he wanted more of. He had experienced an amazing thing happening. He told me what to do. I did it. It happened in a more abundant way than I ever could have imagined. And then I find myself being on the verge of humiliation with my sin, and he speaks into me and says, nope, I still want you, don't be afraid, and I've got a plan for you. Nobody's ever talked to me that way. Nobody's ever looked at me that way. No one's ever cast those types of words on me before. So as a result, when we get back, I'm doing what you tell me to do. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. I don't know for sure what that looks like for you individually. I don't know what God's going to ask you to do and that you need to do. And in your obedience, him amaze you. And through that amazement, you find yourself in humility. And him uh, speaking over you these words of kindness and of grace that he's always faithful to speak. I don't know what else he's going to say to you. I don't know what his vision for you is going to be. But here's what I know. When you follow someone, it always begins with a step. And some of you this morning need to take a step. Following Jesus begins a step with a step. What's yours? Maybe for you, your step is just to show up next week. Maybe this is the first time in forever that you've been to church. 
and you even are kind of like wondering if you still want to hang out around here or not, and maybe, maybe your next step is just to come back next week and to be here and say, I'm just going to lean in a little bit longer. I'm going to lean in a little bit further, and I'm going to see what else God may want to say to me through his word and see if I can buy into it and see if I can believe it. Maybe your step is just to show up next week. Maybe your step is to be here next week because you'd already planned to be here next week. And maybe instead of standing there with your arms folded while we're singing and worshiping, you just need to like change your posture just a little bit and open your mouth and begin to join in with these amazing words that we're declaring about a great God. And for the first time in a long time, just worship Jesus. Maybe that's what your step looks like. Maybe your step looks like being bold with the faith that you do have and the experience that you had with Jesus where you realized he was a sinner and that he's the savior and you've experienced that and you need to say yes to baptism and you need to declare to the world around you that this relationship that you have with Jesus, you want it to be known because you want other people to see it and to experience it for themselves. In case you didn't know, we got baptism coming up on February the 2nd. It would be an awesome time for you to take that step. Or maybe instead of settling to only listen to someone like me teaching, preaching, maybe your step is to open the word of God for yourself and to allow God to speak directly to you through his word. Maybe you have not been in the word of God and you just need to take the step and say, you know what, it's just going to be me and Jesus and you tell me whatever you want. I'm going to take the risk and I'm going to take the challenge and I'm going to go for it and you just start speaking to me and I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do in response because I need to hear from you and you need to allow God to speak to you. Maybe your next step is to have a conversation with your kids about Jesus. And open up a dialogue and to begin praying with them on a regular basis and just let them know that like anything that we need to talk about, especially this Jesus, let's just talk about it. Let's just have an open conversation about Jesus. Maybe your step looks like you've got wounds in your life from past hurts and pains and failures. And you need to lean into those things and deal with them. And maybe you need to set up a counseling session with a professional Christian counselor. And you need to begin some conversations that can allow you to experience grace and healing that can only come through Christ. Maybe your step is to make a phone call. To make that phone call to that person or that family member that you just didn't leave it well with. And you need to re-engage. And you need to show some humility. And you need to show some grace. And you need to show some kindness. Make the call. For you, maybe it's to stop making excuses and to join a small group here at Holland Chapel. I'm busy, I'm this, I'm that, I'm whatever. And you need to be around some other believers in that type of a setting where you can talk more about the word of God together, hear from God together, and go forth following Jesus together. Jesus never planned for you to follow him alone. Say that again. Jesus never planned for you to follow him alone. You need people to come around you. I said earlier when I began, like, I hope I would show up if you didn't show up. But I'm going to tell you, it would be really hard for me to show up if you didn't show up. It would be really hard. I'm so thankful we get to do this together. Small groups are kicking off in just a few weeks. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Maybe that's your step. Maybe you need to recognize that you're broken and that you need a relationship with Jesus.
Maybe today you need to be like Peter and say, I'm sinful, I don't deserve to be here. And you need to watch Jesus come to your aid and come to your rescue and come to your salvation and experience for yourself what he's provided for you through his incredible work on the cross. Because after Luke chapter 5, Jesus goes on, he lives the rest of his life, and he does it perfectly. I can't explain that one either except for that he's God and he's man at the same time. And in the end, he's willing to lay down his life for me, and he's willing to lay down his life for you, and he's willing to lay down his life for Luke and for Simon and for everybody else in that scripture and for all of us in this room to pay for my sins, to pay for your sins, because he wants to be with us. He doesn't want us to live the rest of our lives in humiliation. He wants us to live the rest of our lives in forgiveness, and he's the one that can bring that into our life. And he wants to bring that today. And he makes that possible because he's alive today because he didn't stay dead. He came back from the grave. I know it's not Easter and everything, but we're still there. You know what I'm saying? It's Easter every Sunday at Holland Chapel. He's alive and he loves you and he is for you and he wants to be with you. God has more in store for you than you had in mind. There's more in store for you than you had in mind. Not only does God have more, but I would just say to you, God is more. I don't know who you think he is, but he's more than you think he is. <laughs> I don't know what you think he's capable of, but he is more capable than what you realize. He is more. He is more. I'm going to pray, and we want to give you an opportunity to respond to our great God today. Father, we bow before you. Uh, I pray that you would take my attempt to open your word and to relay it. And your spirit would just make sense of what I said to the level that it needs to be for the hearts and minds of all of us in this room to hear from you and to respond to you. Father, for those that are struggling and wondering if they can continue on, I pray that they would just know that you've got vision for more for them. For those that are wondering if they're capable of doing anything else or if they're gifted to do anything else, I pray that they would know that God, you have more in store for them. Father, for that person that just wonders if they can get close to you, if they can experience you, they're wondering if they can make it to heaven or not, they're wondering if any of that's possible, help them to know that you've got more in store for them. Help us all to realize your incredible free grace this morning, your incredible flowing unlimited reserve of mercy this morning. I don't know what the step is that someone needs to take, but I pray whatever it is, you'd make it clear and they take it. I pray that you'd speak to us, we would listen, and we'd be amazed at what you do. Help us, oh God, to stop and to listen to your voice so that we can see your vision for our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you for the empty tomb. Thank you, Jesus, for you. We love you. We need you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.